The reading today is from 1 Peter 4, 12 to 19. And the heading is Suffering for Being a Christian. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice inasmuch as you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed, for the spirit of glory and of God rest on you. If you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or thief or any other kind of criminal or even as a meddler. However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. For it, for it is time for judgment to begin with God's household, and if it begins with us, what will the outcome be for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if it is hard for the righteous to be saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? So then, those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. This is his wonderful word. All right. Thank you, Patty. And, yeah, this is a good passage, of course. Joy in suffering. I guess it will have uh, something to say for us at this time, although uh, it's not quite Peter's focus, uh, the kind of things we've talked about. There's all kinds of ways that Christians suffer, isn't it? Yeah, tragedies, illnesses, crime, terrorism. But it's suffering for being a Christian. And so why don't we pray as we look at this passage together. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that you speak for encouragement and upbuilding and consolation. Please take my words, make them your words. Would they be faithful to what you have to say and speak to all our hearts by your spirit in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, suffering as a Christian, suffering just because you belong to Christ just because you're different from the rest of the world. That is what uh, Peter's readers are struggling with, what he's writing about. Uh, last week was about it, and today again. Today will be even, yeah, even stronger. Uh, we need to hear that. Now, I guess for many of us, it's not quite the reality that it is for others. Um, back in the UK, there was this newspaper, Evangelicals Now, I used to like to read various interesting book reviews or articles, but it always had this middle page called World News. And that was just very short, those kind of mini articles that you see in the newspaper. Just a few, a few lines, but all the headlines, kind of Indonesia imprisoned, uh, India, colon, shot, uh, Egypt, torched, um, Yemen, murdered. That was kind of the headlines for Christians around the world. Look at what is happening. That was so different from, uh, well, the UK. Never got beaten up. I don't know uh, if you'd ever thought that could happen here, right? Typo, torched, mound, sun, murdered. That's not quite what we uh, are used to. Now, I guess the extent to which Christians suffer vary, varies. But the fact of suffering doesn't. Look how Peter starts in verse 12. Does he think it's normal for Christians to suffer? Yes, verse 12. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you, 
as though something strange were happening to you. It's, it's not, it shouldn't be surprising when this happens. It shouldn't be surprising when people don't like you, when you're not popular, when they don't like what you say because you're a Christian. Uh, it's not strange, Peter says. Now, we, we, we struggle with that. Of course, suffering hurts. Uh, think back about the last time that you thought you were someone's friend, and then when you talked about Jesus, they just pushed you away. And that hurts, even something as small as that. And then we often think, what's wrong? Partly, look, I'm a Christian, I'm a child of God, why should I suffer? Uh, maybe you think you've done something wrong. Well, what did I say wrong? What have I done? But Peter says, no, it's not a surprise, this is normal. Maybe you think it's other Christians' fault. If they weren't so uh, irrelevant and old-fashioned, then it would have been better. No. As Christians, we can expect to be rejected. We can expect some hostility from the world. It's getting more and more. If you're from the U.S. or the U.K., Christian views on the exclusivity of Jesus, on sexuality, is less and less popular. And, of course, we know across the border, again, China is not welcomed in open ar- with open arms. We, yeah, Peter wants us to be prepared. Uh, if it comes our way, are we ready? And even if we go through it now, what's, what does Peter have to say to us? And like last week, he gives us an eternal perspective. He tells us to look at the future, look at eternity. And that is the thing that will help us. And in fact, the fact that suffering is normal that it's the normal Christian experience. Again, Peter uses that, in fact, to encourage us. So that's where we'll go as I get this up. Ah, okay, never mind. And so uh, let's go to uh, the first point. Your suffering shows you're going to heaven. Rejoice. That is, I think, Peter's point here in this passage. Rejoice. Your, Your suffering shows you're going to heaven, which is quite a bold statement, isn't it? First of all, rejoice. But again, that's Peter. Verse 13. Suffering isn't strange. No. Verse 13. Rejoice inasmuch as you participate in the sufferings of Christ. You know, uh, if uh, if you suffer as a Christian, rejoice. You share in Christ. And we know Jesus' life. Jesus was here on earth. What did he do? He suffered, right? He was rejected, ultimately dying on a cross. Now, we don't die for sin in the same way, but we share that experience. We share what he went through. We also suffer because we belong to him. If you suffer as a Christian, look, you participate in the sufferings of Christ. You share in Christ. But that means something. Because if you share in Christ now, you share in Christ later. You share Jesus' suffering, but also then his glory, the rest of the verse. So that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. And Jesus had a pattern. Jesus suffered now, and then he had glory. And if you're a Christian, you have the same pattern. You suffer now, you have glory later. And so if you suffer now, that's great. You, you are following that pattern, and you will have glory. That's the thing. They go together. And of course, thinking of future glory should comfort us, whatever we go through. 
even the suffering that everyone faces, knowing that one day there will be no more tears, no more death. Uh, That's a wonderful hope. But Peter makes it more strong. He says, look, rejoice that you share in Christ's sufferings because you will then also share in his glory. They go together. Uh, Verse 14, if you're insulted because of the name of Christ, you're blessed. How can you be blessed? Well, what does it show? The spirit of glory and of God rests on you. You have the spirit. That's why you're different from everyone else. That's why they don't like you. But that's the same spirit who will, the spirit of glory, who will bring you to glory. And so, in a way, suffering is, is one of the marks of a Christian. It should assure you. If you get rejected just for being a Christian, it shows you are a Christian. Right? You, you seem to be living the Christian life. You seem to be different from everyone else. Let it encourage you. You're a Christian, is what Peter is saying. Of course, uh, you shouldn't suffer for the wrong reasons, but this, this is expected. You know, Peter is just echoing Jesus' words. Yeah? Uh, Matthew 5, the Sermon on the Mount. What did he say? Well, blessed are you, Jesus said, when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Look, if you are persecuted for Jesus' sake, rejoice, because you have a great reward. It's the pattern. That's what all the prophets who came before you went through. And you follow the same pattern, and you will have a great reward. That is his point. But that is only suffering as a Christian, of course. I mean, we all get sick. That doesn't mean anything. And, of course, some of us suffer for the wrong reasons. At verse 15, if you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or as a thief or any other kind of criminal or even as a meddler. Now, of course, if you lose your job because you've stolen from the company, that's not persecution, right? That's just, well, that's right. That's not the same as losing your job because you're a Christian, and sometimes that happens. I know there was a Christian in the UK who got fired. And there was all this, oh, this is persecution. But frankly, he just didn't do his job. He completely neglected his job to spend time trying to tell other people the gospel. Which in a way is a good thing. But if you completely neglect the job you're paid for, yeah, no wonder you get fired. So that doesn't count. But, verse 16, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed. But praise God that you bear that name. Praise God. You know, it's wonderful that you're a Christian. I mean, think back to the last time that you were hurt like this, that someone spoke against you. And did you feel discouraged? Did you feel, what have I done wrong? No. Uh, be rejoicing. Look, you're a Christian. That's why you suffer like this. And that means you have future glory. It's wonderful. Uh, this is, uh, yeah, you should be encouraged. I don't know. I was so surprised when I was a young Christian. I, I went to some conference and there was a, a missionary from China speaking. And, uh, yeah, there was lots of stories about torture and, and raids and persecution. And I always thought we as Christians, we were, we're not that happy. We should be very joyful. We're not very joyful. Surely these people must be much more unhappy than us. 
And yet all these videos, these guys were praising God. They looked so happy. How? They have it much tougher than we. And they are so much more joyful. Why? I think their faith is just a lot more real to them. If you believe, you, you don't really notice it. Maybe a bit of the fruit of the Spirit in your life. But for the rest, it's really by faith, right? You don't really notice all the time that you're a Christian. But if there's persecution, you are constantly aware. You constantly need to watch out what you say, what you do. It is just such a daily reality that you're a Christian. And I think that brings joy because it is so much more real. And we, we just don't notice that we're a Christian. But when you suddenly get rejected, when your friend turns their back on you, when your family... Uh, they get angry because you don't want to perform this ancestor ritual or whatever. That reminds you suddenly you're a Christian. It should remind you of hope, of future glory. And so take it, take it positively, is Peter, what Peter says. Yes, suffering is normal, but it is a sign that you're a Christian, a sign of glory. Of course, should you worry if you don't suffer, is then, of course, what some of you will say. If suffering is normal for Christians and I don't suffer, well, it doesn't 100% work the other way. And maybe God is just being kind to you. He knows what you can handle. He's kind to all of us. Maybe you're just more isolated. It can change. It can get worse. At the same time, yeah, it's always good to review your lifestyle. Uh, Why do we suffer? Because we are different. And people should think, even if they don't, aren't hostile, they should think you are strange. There must be things about you that they notice that, that's weird, that's different. Why do you spend your time and your money on, on church? Why do you not curse? That's weird. Why do you wait with sex until marriage? Those kind of things. Why? That's weird. And if no one thinks anything you do is weird, then, yeah, good to review that. Your life should be different. But if you are different and you suffer for it, you are different. You are a Christian. You're an exile. You don't belong on earth. You have eternal life. You have glory. Rejoice. That's Peter's point. But he doesn't stop there. That is the first eternal reality, the, the positive one. But of course, as you've heard in the reading, it doesn't stop there. Um, 17 and 18, he talks about another eternal reality, and that is yeah, a somber one. I'm not going to say the following point lightly, but Peter says it, so I need to. But where is he talking about? Well, I think the point is, your suffering shows you're not going to hell, so be thankful. Your suffering shows you're not going to hell. And that's what he's talking about, end of verse 17. If it begins with us, what will the outcome be for those who do not obey the gospel of God? End of verse 18. What will become of the ungodly and the sinner? Literally, where will they appear? He doesn't mention the words, but you know what he's talking about. The fate of those who, well, who don't believe. Those who keep rejecting their creator and will be excluded at the end. Now, I say be thankful, it's not in the passage. Peter's application is praise God, right? Uh, Verse 16, praise God that you bear that name for, 
and then the stuff about judgment. But when I hear praise God, I think of hallelujah, praise the Lord, and that is not what Peter has in mind. Why this emphasis on the fate of others? It's not about their persecutors. It's just generally the ungodly and the sinner. Now, it could be just perspective. Just like thinking of heaven will bring joy, whatever you're suffering. In a way, it's, it's a bit of perspective that whatever you suffer, it's not the worst thing, right? Whatever you're going through now, there is far worse suffering. I mean, what is the worst suffering as a Christian? Being in a North Korean labor camp for a few decades? That'd be pretty hard. And yet that is a, is a minor thing compared to being rejected forever by your creator because of the way you've rejected him. Yeah, if you think about it, it's, it's brutally true. The eternal suffering matters the most. And we can help the poor and fight for social justice. And there are good and right things we should do. But it's, it's a minor inconvenience, all the injustice in the world compared to this. But I don't think that's Peter's point. It's not just perspective. Because if you, f- you think, oh, well, I'd rather have neither. I want to have a li- nice life now and go to heaven. Can I have both? Right? That's what we want. But Peter says, no, we can't. There is a a very strong connection between our trials, our suffering, and eternal suffering. Because what does verse 17 say? It is time for judgment to begin with God's household. And if it begins with us, what will the outcome be for those who do not obey the gospel of God? There's there's judgment starting with us and then the others. So it's, it's kind of two stages, right? It begins with God's household and then those who do not obey the gospel. Now, it sounds very strange that there is judgment on, well, God's family. Why, why judgment? Hasn't Jesus taken all the judgment we deserve? Well, yes. This is not judgment in the sense of condemning. But God is judging sin. He's purifying his people from sin. And these trials, well, they are, as verse 12 said, to test you, uh, to purify you. Uh, In chapter 1, he said it as well. These trials are there to purify you. But yeah, fire is, is painful. But it purifies you from sin. But then for the rest, that is punishment. I think Peter is... He gets it from Malachi. The, the Old Testament expected kind of two stages as well. So this is Malachi chapter 3, one of the last books, the last book of the Old Testament. God said, I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. And then suddenly the Lord you're seeking will come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant whom you desire will come, says the Lord Almighty. But who can endure the day of his coming? Who can stand when he appears? For he will be like a refiner's fire or a launderer's soap. He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. He will purify the Levites and refine them like gold and silver. And then the Lord will have men who will bring offerings in righteousness. And uh, the people closest to him in the temple, the Levites, they, they will be purified. Now it's all a compromised mess, but God will come and, and purify them. And things will be right again. But then, 
Well, we'll skip over verse 4, but verse 5. So I will come to put you on trial. I will be quick to testify against sorcerers, adulterers, and perjurers, against those who defraud laborers of their wages, who oppress the widows and of the fatherless, and deprive the foreigners among you of justice, but do not fear me, says the Lord Almighty. They come after each other. Uh, other translations, then I will draw near to you for judgment. So people were expecting two stages. God would come first, purify his people, and then bring a greater judgment. So in that sense, suffering again is normal. But the thing is, it, it's one process in two stages. So it's, it's either one or the other. And it's a bit complex, but every single person will face something. Right? Judgment is for everyone. It begins with God's household and then everyone else. Everyone. Either you suffer now, as your faith is purified, or later. In a way, everyone is a sinner. That's the problem. Whether you're a Christian or not, you're a sinner. And God hates sin and he will deal with it. He will deal with it in you by purifying your faith. He will deal with it, well in the rest of the world, the rest of his creation, by removing it. So it's one or the other. I don't know if you know this uh, gospel outline, Two Ways to Live. Very famous way to explain the gospel. But this is, yeah, two ways to suffer. Which way do you want to suffer? And in a way, that means you should be very glad that you're in stage one. right? If everyone's going to suffer, either now or later you should be very glad that you suffer now. I mean, if it begins with you now, what will stage two be like? Eh, it's a bit like, uh, yeah, give thanks, you suffer now. It's a bit like vaccination. Vaccination, of course, protects you, right? You get injected with some uh, typhoid now, and you develop antibodies, and then you won't get typhoid later. Now, I don't like vaccinations. I hate people sticking needles in me. And no one, uh, yeah, no one likes to be injected with some disease, right? You don't want to. You get some side effects. But if the choice is between that and, well, real typhoid, you want to have an injection, right? You prefer a little bit of suffering now to a lot of suffering later. If you're in stage one, you're not in stage two. That is what Peter is saying. Yeah? If it begins with you, well, how about stage two? And so, well, actually, you should be so glad. Praise God. I mean, we say, when do you want to suffer? <laughs> you almost didn't choose this. right? You're suffering now. God chose you for that. God had mercy on you. Because in a way, all of us should be in stage two, right? All of us deserve to be, well, condemned forever for the way we've treated our creator who loves us so much. All of us deserve that. But God had mercy on you. God sent his son to die for you, brought you to faith, brought you to him, adopted you, and now you are in stage one. You're having your faith purified. That should make you so thankful. It should make you so humble that God has had such mercy on you. Now, Jesus dying on the cross is not just 
as showing how much he loves us. He shows how much he loves us by taking the hell that you deserve and taking it on himself so you don't need to go there. Are you thankful for that? Are you so, yeah, so humble? Do you thank God for the cross every day, for what he's done for you? And whatever happens now, it's, it's less than you deserve. Whatever you're going through, you deserve far worse, but God has had mercy on you. So yeah, glorify God that you, you bear that name, that you belong to him now. Of course, if you're here and you're a visitor, not a Christian, again, this is a, a question for you. When do you want to suffer? Now, of course, the biggest question is Christianity true. If it's not true, you just die and rot. You know, doesn't matter. Uh, if Christianity is not true, don't become a Christian. You're wasting your life. We are wasting our life. But if it's true, then don't let the thought of suffering keep you from becoming a believer. Because everyone's going to suffer. Do you want to suffer now or later? It's really hard when your, your family hates you and rejects you. Uh, I don't come from a Christian family. Uh, it's really soured our relationship. Uh, and that is just an atheist. I'm sure when you're, again, I hear sometimes people, they have to do ancestor stuff from Chinese traditional religion, and you don't want that, and your family really rejects you. That really hurts. But compared to being rejected by your creator, it's nothing. What your friends and colleagues will think, again, it's nothing compared to eternal suffering. So don't let any of this present suffering stop you from becoming a Christian. And you need to escape. God wonderfully sent his son to die for you. Don't hold back. And, and Peter isn't smiling when he writes this. If you write this, read his whole letter, Peter wants people to be saved. And he's had such a focus on Christians. Look, live lives that commend the gospel. Give an answer to everyone. Peter's not smiling. He wants people to be saved. He wants Christians to suffer voluntarily. If you're a Christian slave and your master beats you up, then turn the other cheek. Don't retaliate. Be different so that he will ask questions and he can come to know the gospel. That is what Peter wants Christians to suffer out of their own will so that others could be saved. And this is really not gloating. And that is the, that, that's the call to us, right? If you read this, we should be so thankful that... God has met mercy on us, but how about others? Will we live lives that, so that others can be saved? Because they need to escape too. Yeah, so I hope, yeah, verse 19, that we'll do that. So then, those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator. Yeah, God is in charge. Suffering is normal. You can trust him. But then continue to do good. Continue to live different lives. Continue to follow Jesus. Continue to be willing to suffer so that others can be saved, can come to know the truth. And that is uh, what we want. So I'm going to leave some time for quiet for us to reflect. And then we're going to sing that great song again about a higher throne to focus on eternity, but let's spend some time in quietness first, and then I'll pray, and then we'll sing.
Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the cross. Thank you for Jesus who died so we could have eternal life, so we could be with you forever and not get what we deserve. Father, would this give us joy? Would it give us joy when we suffer because we belong to our suffering Savior? Would it give us humility? Would it give us thankfulness? And would it motivate us to keep living for you in this world? We are here because you want to save people and you want us to share in that. Please, would we play our part? Would we willingly suffer knowing eternity? And that people may be saved, that many people would hear the same news, hear of the same Jesus, and have the same eternal life. Father, please use us, use our church, and and keep us going with the wonderful hope of heaven. In Jesus' name. Amen.